scripture lesson this morning, uh, the first one is Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 12, and you can find it on page 191 of your pew Bible or on the screen. <clears throat> then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zor. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. And the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since then, never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for, for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land, and for, the, for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. The second one is Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 46 and page 25 in your pew Bible. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. I'll remind our young people again that uh, if you would like to take some notes about the sermon or the scriptures or other things going on in worship or draw a picture and let me see that after church, I have a treat for you for being attentive listeners uh, uh, this morning. 
I want you all to think now about and answer this question kind of in your own minds. How do you organize your life? How do you organize your life? Do you have a, a Blackberry or some other kind of Palm Pilot? Do you have a, a planner or a calendar that's always with you and, and is, you know, kind of guides your life? That's the thing you have to consult all the time. Are you a list maker? Do you make a lot of lists? Do you write yourself little notes? You know, whoever invented sticky notes, you know, I don't know how we lived without those. <laughs> Do you put everything on the refrigerator and know, okay, that's where all the important information is? Or, or maybe, or maybe there's some of you out there who has, uh, you know, a wife or a husband or a parent who does all the organizing of your life for you. Do you ever have scheduled clashes? And this, I, I shouldn't even ask this. We know we sometimes have scheduled classes. I don't know, clashes. If you're like me, you know, over here you put, you know, your church activities or your job activities, and over here are your family activities, and sometimes you all of a sudden realize that they're all in the same spot. And that, that very, you know, that day you have all these different things that you planned, and, and they've all come together. So we do have clashes, which is why we need to organize our lives and make sure we have time and energy to do all these things we need to do. So then my next question becomes for you, because I know we all run into this. Do you have a God plan? And where do you keep that organized? I mean, is that written on your calendar? Okay, you know, today is my God day. Do you have uh, some kind of a schedule for your faith life uh, and, and your progression of it and things to do uh, for, for your spiritual growth? Do you have a God plan? Have you talked it over with your family? Is it on your Palm Pilot? Do you have a plan? Should you have a plan? You know, one of the things that we're encouraged to do as church leaders is to remind people about planned giving. Now, planned giving is not just um, asking for your pledge for the next year. That's, that is a plan, and that's one of the things we're doing right now in the middle of the stewardship campaign. But planned giving is encouraging people to think really long-range about giving, putting, um, as you do your estate planning and wills and so on, considering the church or other kinds of ways that you want to give back to God. You know, making endowments, doing those kinds of things, doing, you know, giving a living memorial, for example, here at Brexville. We plan our giving. That's not an unusual thing. We're just supposed to encourage people to do that, but we know about planned giving. We plan our giving. We plan our families. We plan our careers. We plan how we're going to furnish our house. We plan our menus. We plan our daily activities. So do we have a plan for our faith lives? Should we have a plan? Last week, Janet Kleckner taught us about the story that is often called the question about paying taxes. And Jesus is really well-known teaching on that subject. We can probably almost quote a lot of times. Give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor and give to God what belongs to God. And Janet had this brilliant message that said, you know, you realize there was a, a question that they never asked Jesus, which is what belongs to God? And the answer is, of course, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And Jana encouraged us, saying, you know, we need to find a balance between, you know, of, of giving to God that, that puts God right at the center of how we give, especially of our possessions is what that lesson was more about, and, and our gifts and our talents and those kind of giving our stuff. We need to have a plan that puts God at the center of that kind of giving. 
Is there a plan for that? Yeah, there can be a plan for that. But the question is that I have for you today is not only how do we make a plan for giving our stuff, but how do we plan for giving ourselves to God? You just heard Betsy Wooster talk about the fact that God made us. Everything belongs to God. God created everything, including people. And if we are supposed, so we owe everything to God, including ourselves. How do we actually give ourselves? What what does that mean, giving a gift of yourself? I think some of it we kind of have an idea about. I mean, in relationships with your children, with parents, with friends, with your, your spouse, what is it you want most from those those people? You know, your friends. Do you make friends because they're going they're going to give you a lot of presents? Is that why you make friends? Or do you make friends with people because they're going to share themselves with you, and you're going to share yourself? You're going to talk about and spend time together and share good times and bad times. That's sharing ourselves. We, so we understand this basic concept. How do we do that with God? We have the model in the Bible. Jesus gave himself. That's our first model. And then Paul, I love, there's a lovely little verse. It's actually in your bulletin. It's kind of like the little focus verse for today. We didn't read the whole passage from Thessalonians that was the text for today. But there's this beautiful verse here that was in. And and Paul was writing to the Thessalonians and talking about how when when they came and taught the Thessalonians about Christianity, about Jesus, they loved them so much and fell in love with them so much that they weren't doing this to get something back. He says, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. Isn't that the greatest gift you can give is yourself? Let's think about Moses here because we read about Moses today. Moses Moses gave the gift of himself in the form of his life. We had this beautiful story of the death of Moses in in the scriptures this morning. And I I do think this is beautiful. I've never thought it was tragic. Some people say, oh, there was this huge tragedy that Moses never actually got to enter the promised land. But I I never, when I read this story, feel a sense of tragedy. Uh, Instead, it feels to me like closure, completion. He had this task. He carried out this task absolutely until the end of his life. His vision was unimpaired. He still was strong. He had the opportunity to bless all the people. He had the opportunity to hand on his wisdom to Joshua. What's sad about any of that? He had given his his life to this task. And remember, originally the the task, this is typical, the job descriptions never are really very accurate. Originally, he was asked, you know, you're going to go to Pharaoh and get and let my people go. So that was the original plan, right? And that turned into fleeing the Egyptian army, crossing the Red Sea, feeding cranky people in the wilderness, receiving the law, establishing worship, you know, all this travel in the wilderness. Whoa, that took the rest of his life. The task that Moses did took his life, not in the sense of it killed him. It simply occupied his whole self for the rest of his life from that burning bush moment. Isn't that incredible? He ended up giving himself, I'm not sure he ever planned to give himself. 
But he ended up giving it because he just lived right into God's plan all the way along. Can you imagine what would have happened if Moses had said, the original moment when God said, you know, you're going to go to Egypt and you're going to confront Pharaoh and let my people go. What if Moses had said, okay, hang on, got to get out my planner. All right, I can give you one, maybe two years tops, you know, and then, if the, then hopefully the job will be done by then. And then I'm out of here because I've got other things to do. Of course, Moses never said that. He never said that. He ended up giving himself. Now, I'm sure you're smart enough to see the problem with these examples, however. We can't expect to be like Moses or like Paul or like Jesus. That's kind of a tall order. You might be sitting there going, well, that's very well for them. But obviously, I, I, I'm not Moses. I'm not Paul. I'm not Jesus. How could I possibly do that? So how does the normal, average, everyday person, just like All of us who are sitting here, how does the normal, average, everyday person give their life to God? Well, that's a good question. Is there a plan for that? Should there be a plan for that? Well, this kind of giving, this giving of yourself, I'm going to suggest today that it's not about a plan that you make. It's about following the plan that God has made for you. You need to flip, we need to flip our thinking around on this one a bit. Instead of thinking, where does God fit into my life? And where can I plan to stick God into my life? How about if we think instead, how do I fit my life into the kingdom of God? Instead of thinking, how do I fill this God-shaped hole in my life? What if you flip that around and think, How do I fit myself into that me-shaped hole that God has made for me in his plan? Instead of thinking, what do I have to do to be a Christian? What if you were to think instead, what in the world have I done to deserve the love that God gives me? Turn it around. You are part of this a much bigger plan, a huge plan of God saving the world. You're part of that. Your name is on that plan. The starting point isn't like some little skinny little yellow brick road that's going to go around and lead to salvation. The starting point is salvation, that you start with the fact that God has saved us by grace, and then you go on from there to give yourself. Turn everything around and realize that you are offered a different kind of a life, a new life. It's not that you have to plan it. It's already there waiting for you. So how do you, walk, how do you live into that life of becoming? It's not about doing, it's about being. About being. I thought of this, uh, of, of listening um, to an actress talk about a part that she'd been given in a movie. And she was very excited about this part in the movie. And she was describing how she started thinking about this part that she was going to play. And she she thought of the character and she thought, who is this person? How does she walk? How does she talk? How does she act towards each other? What does she love? Who is she? And she, she journaled about it and thought about it and read the script and kept thinking about who this person was because the actress's plan was to become that person, to become that person. It started with her wondering and thinking and imagining. Isn't that incredible? And the best actors, you know this, you know this from experience, the best actors and actresses are those ones that you can watch them perform in a movie and you totally forget who the actor is. 
They become a, an entirely different person. Now, there's some actors that are always going to be themselves no matter what role they play. You know, Bruce Willis is always going to be Bruce Willis. No matter what, what role he is, you can, he comes through. You know, Clint Eastwood is always Clint Eastwood. There's certain people that are always themselves no matter what part. But there's other actors who have some kind of a gift of, of becoming an entirely different person. And you, you would never even think about who they were as, a, as an actor. And that's what we're invited to do, to become this, uh, a whole new life has been offered to us. And it starts with wondering. Betsy, uh, I think, was using some tools from Godly Play. And you saw some pictures during our uh, Fan the Flame song this morning from Godly Play. Do you know that one of the key questions they ask in Godly Play, our preschool kindergarten classes, is, I wonder, I wonder. Can you do that with the Christian life? Think, I wonder what it would be like to live just with God in charge of my life. I wonder what I could accomplish if I just allowed God to work through me. I wonder who we could be as a church. I wonder what my family might be like if we really determined to live as Christians. Just start wondering that way. What does that look like? What does that look like as you, for you? What can you become? It's not about doing, it's about becoming. I, I think of it as kind of, if you want a physical, a physical uh, metaphor, you know, you've seen these incredible machines that they have that are like robotic arms where you actually stick your hands in the controls and then you have these larger, stronger ways of manipulating things or tiny little ways of manipulating things with your hands. If you put your life into the Christian uh, shape that's waiting there for you, what can't you accomplish? With God's strength and help, what's out there waiting for you? Jesus gave us two commandments. You heard Betsy mention them this morning. Love God, love others. He said, this is it. This, this is what it all boils down to, is love God, love others. And do you notice this is not about doing. This is about becoming and being. Being in love with God, being in love with others. Jesus doesn't give us specifics about exactly how to do that. He says, just become that. And then all the rest will follow. All the rest will follow. What do you think Paul was preaching when he was giving himself to others? Do you think he went out to the churches and said, you know, here's the laws. This is how you have to behave. Da, 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 da. You know, and his letters, his letters are about doing. But the original message he would have taken to the churches was, guess what? Jesus was crucified and, and was resurrected for us and you are saved by the grace of God and everybody can have a new life in God. That was the message. His first message wasn't, these are all the things you need to do. His message was, this is the life that God has given to you. That's where it starts. And, and so if you live into that life, that is giving yourself to God. None of us will become, probably, a Moses or a Paul or, or a Mother Teresa or a Martin Luther King Jr. Probably not. But I will guarantee you that if you wonder and let yourself become, each one of us here will become much more than the average, normal, everyday person. By the grace of God, thanks be to God. Amen.